they they said, look, we're going to take a stand here and we're going to we're going to honor the deal that was already struck. Right. And and they did it. And it doesn't mean they're going to win every single thing that they want uh, moving forward, but they're in a much better position and they're taken seriously um, within the Democratic caucus and among the media. Just a little too <laughs> is the executive editor of the American Prospect, David Dayan. Hi. Hi. I'm appreciating uh, wide-angle lenses now <laughs> at this moment. We should have just done like a fisheye and been like, <laughs> me, I'm super flat. Yeah, it's super, like, super like a Busta Rhymes video. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Next time mm-hmm. they, you give room to grow in this podcast. Um, Welcome to the literal habituation room. Uh, well, the room, yeah. The actual room. Wow. Where it uh, all happens. Where it all happens. Um, and thank you for being here. Of course. Uh, we're so excited because we're going to break down, or at least David is going to break down, <laughs> everything that's going on with this infrastructure bill slash Build Back Better Act, reconciliation, whatever the new, whatever we're calling it these days. Uh, progressives showing up, showing some power, some force. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're going to understand like how, why. Uh, what's going on with uh, Kirsten and Manchin? Uh, I, I I took a poll, and what we've decided to call it is the Manchin Cinematic Universe. <laughs> God, so I don't like I don't like Marvel, and I'm offended already. <laughs> like that offends me. <laughs> but that's it is a universe. It's a universe unto itself. There's lots of lobbyists. It's great. There's good mm-hmm. shrimp scampi. Um, you guys, if you're here. Press that like button. Share the stream. If you're listening as a podcast, my God, look, I'm risking David's life to, to, for, <laughs> to bring you this content. tremendous amount of electrical equipment in here. Yeah. Not to mention, no, I'm, I'm very vaccinated. I don't even want to fuck around with that. Um, <laughs> that is true. We are, are not Are you vaccinated? Because this is like a weird moment to no. ask. No. No, of course. Of course I am. Okay, cool. What did you get? Uh, Pfizer. Me too. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so. And nothing further than, than, <laughs> and that's than it. that. Never again. <laughs> Goodbye. And now you own me, Pfizer. Thank you. I will never say Team Pfizer. Isn't that just yeah, the right? worst shit? Like, hell yeah, Team Pfizer. It was an amazing marketing trick for them to get us to call the vaccine <laughs> the name yes. of the pharmaceutical company. Yeah. Like, that is huge marketing. Every time you talk to somebody else about the vaccine, yeah. you're naming a pharmaceutical company. I know it should have been. It's kind of the way that like in other countries, Philip Morris is actual cigarettes. But in the U.S., we don't say Philip Morris like that's like like Kleenex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It should have been like Wellnera. Well, they actually Mm. do have a real name. I I don't remember it. But Pfizer does have an actual weird name like that. Uh, Chat, I'm relying on you because I'm not going to look that up right now. Um, Super happy to have you here. We're going to get into it all. Uh, We are also going to have a bonus episode, a bonus addendum a bonus story to this entire hour so make sure to get that by going to patreon.com slash habituation room that's how you get access to it we're going to talk about uh our former president there's a new book out there's some gems some tidbits some deets that i really want to talk about that i feel like no other 
no other outlet is really covering except for the Vituation Room. Uh, and to help us with this hour, I'm super happy to bring in my other guest, not into the room. That'd be really funny if he was like, hey, guys, just <laughs> like under right the table. Yeah. <laughs> but he is an executive or no, he's not an executive yeah, editor of the American Prospect. Me. That's yeah. David. Yeah. He's an Emmy nominated writer and director from SNL, Kimmel and Apple's upcoming Strange Planet. Please welcome Zach Bornstein. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Hi. How are you doing? I'm Good to see you, Zach. I didn't intro you with also, you've definitely retweeted one of his tweets uh, <laughs> because he crushes it so hard on Twitter that I've seen you delete stuff that doesn't do well. And I'm like, God damn it. That the privilege of being like, mm, it's only doing 20. Like I'm deleting. Like me, I'm like, it's 20 guys. I got 20. Hell yeah. I'm, they got it was a joke. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm, I feel like I disappointed you guys by not just lowering from the ceiling behind the yeah. door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like well, a Mission Impossible kind exactly. of scenario. Yeah, yeah. Just Spider-Man in and lower the mask a little. Who knows? <laughs> that would have been fun. Um, You guys, we start off every every episode of this show with the same question. It is a very pessimistic show, although I'm an optimist, ultimately, about, you know, state of the world a little bit. Uh, we start off the show asking our guests and everyone in the chat, what are you bitching about today? So this is, what are you bitching about? Who's going to go first? Zach Bornstein, what are you bitching about? Uh, here's what I'm bitching about. And I'm, you guys have probably seen this, uh, come back, come back around the internet the last few days, but do you guys know about Salt Bay? He's yes. he got mm-hmm. famous in like mm-hmm. 2017 or whatever for a video of him sprinkling salt off of his uh, arm hair into some meat, Indeed. and that should have been the end of it. But uh, <laughs> we found out in the last few days, apparently it went right to his head, and he had a quote uh, uh, in in a big profile that said, "Now everybody <laughs> wants to be a butcher because of me. Now if you ask a kid, they want to be Salt Bay." <laughs> They see me as an idol. I'm an inspiration to a lot of people in a very short period of time. Here's another. I I, I love this detail. He says he has four. I see the baby. He has a, a first grain of salt in hand. <laughs> I don't know where he's from, but yeah, I imagine it's like some. Uh, but yeah, he okay, says he there. has 14 children, which is what he calls his restaurants. He's got 14 restaurants, but he has nine human oh. children that he's just not counting in that mix. So he has nine salt babies. All by salt yeah, babies. nine salt yes. babies. <laughs> <laughs> all from different mothers let's right. be real okay? and recently someone posted like a ten thousand dollar receipt from his restaurant where they charge like eleven dollars for a red bull and like twelve hundred dollars or something for a steak and there's Imagine a video how much the salt is <laughs> exactly. Sorry, yeah. there's a lot of information that david and i are trying to process we're like <laughs> what eleven dollars for a red bull i was like okay that's like a club price but like twelve hundred dollars for a steak and he like puts like gold leaf on it, but apparently it doesn't taste very good. And there's a video of him at a table in front of a plate that is he's like slapping raw meat and like one loose bone. And then without changing gloves after handling, he put he rips up like a one dollar Ralph's baguette and puts just like random <laughs> chunks of the bread on the plate next to the raw meat, like touching raw meat oh, against all kinds of health goods. And then he just pours like five quarts of hot oil onto the raw meat and just kind of mushes it all around until it's like heinously greasy. And then he does his like, he just sprinkles some salt off his arm uh, and all with this just like incredible pizzazz. And he's wearing his like Doc Ock style circle sunglasses the whole time. <laughs> it's like so pitch black. Does at night. That, I'm like, does that 
uncooked piece of meat with grease on it then go into a flame at some point or does he like cut it off and like hand feed it to you know whomever he then mushes it around in the oil the bread and just kind of makes like a little ripped up ralph sandwich and then he'll like place it in women's mouths he never does the men always the women and there's there's a buzzfeed review of his restaurant and then they're pregnant the next day they get the salt baby and then wow. there's a buzzfeed. Uh, a, sh- a giant shaker, like one of those long, <laughs> nice salt things. Uh-huh. And when their water mm-hmm. breaks, it's just salt. It's just. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was horrible. Even Guy Fieri thinks, wow, this is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, that's tacky. <laughs> there's, I love this BuzzFeed review. It says, for food to taste unpleasant, it has to taste like something, anything at all. <laughs> but it's just like, it's just this, apparently it's like this flavorless, greasy ooze. And the thing that I love about him, and I am bitching a little bit, but I'm not mad because he just absolutely finessed the whole world into thinking he's a good cook because he can like bounce some salt off his bent arm. And he became yeah. a multimillionaire off of one meme. And the beautiful part, he's this Turkish guy who's just now fully grifting off of these like wealthy idiots who eat gold flake steaks and are willing to pay that trash. And yeah, so honestly, I think, him. yeah, it makes me want to be salt. Some people grift right. off the poor. Yeah. Exactly. So what you're saying is his like young kids, they want to be me. Like that's you. Yeah. I want to be him. He's doing the Lord's work right now. He's he's the modern day meat Robin Hood. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like, you know, there's like the asador or like the, the you know, the barbecue guy. I don't know what you call him, right? Who's like, motherfucker, <laughs> who cooks the meat? Me or salt bay? Like, it's you, buddy. Like, you just throw salt on it. Oh, God. Um, love that. Very important. Very important. Um, David, what, what are you bitching about today? Well, I guess in in this, I guess we're going to have a theme here. Because, yeah. you, you know, uh, Zach talked about Salt Bay and uh, sort of a charlatan grifter kind of thing. Are you familiar with this uh, situation at Ozzy Media? I Googled it and was like, uh, like, <laughs> okay, until they want to buy Newsbroke. Um, until about a week ago, no one had ever seen an Aussie media uh, uh, link right. in their email. No one had ever seen it in the wild. However, what we learned is that this guy, Carlos Watson, who was on MSNBC briefly, okay. uh, is the music man. Like he has, he was able to obtain millions and millions of dollars in venture capital money for mm-hmm. this media enterprise that uh he claimed a readership of 50 million people for even though no one i know has ever even heard of ozzy media or sent me a link or did anything of that sort Wait, 50 million so, that's like what yes. does the new york times get he was like he was counting every email address as a reader mm. right so every email address he was managing to scrape he counted as a reader he <laughs> claimed also to have something like 26 million youtube uh, followers and Very they had a check. meeting they had a meeting this is amazing uh-huh. so last week the the new york times broke this story that they had a meeting with goldman sachs to try to raise money for ozzy media and he's and he was touting youtube being a great partner of theirs and doing all this stuff so he said well i'm going to put on the youtube guy right now this executive from youtube and just listen to him and it was another executive from ozzy media impersonating the youtube executive yes. 
in a conference with Goldman Sachs. They yes men the, themselves. Like they did what the yes men do, you know, that like the lefty they sort yes of like themselves. Yes. Yeah. Here, here's why and, I'm not mad. They're grifting Goldman Sachs. It's the same thing. If you're exactly. grifting if you're grifting up, it's a good thing. Here's what I bitch about though with it is that the difference between this and a very successful company is very, very, very thin. So Ozzy, what happened to Ozzy Media is after this all came out, they shut their doors. Yeah. Actually, on Friday, they 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 just lost journalists and then the board members resigned. And then they just shut down. Facebook did something very, very similar throughout all of its uh, last several years, lying to advertisers about how many people watch their videos, lying to advertisers about the their audience reach. At one point, they did a statistic in 2017 that they had the reach of 25 million more uh, young people in the United States than exist in the United States. <laughs> And yet, well, because... not yet, though. <laughs> once they eventually, content, eventually, gonna, you know, it's all going to happen. Don't make babies. But, be but because Facebook was a known quantity and already successful, they, they are, they are, slide. yeah, they let it slide and they're lionized because Ozzy was a startup company that lied in the wrong way, although the exact same way, then they get the brunt of it. Mm. So um, that's, that's kind of my bitch though. Oh, I love that. The Theranos of media. Theranos of media. I think it's inspiring. Um, it's something we could all do. You know, if we just get one friend and we can book I a mean, meeting with Goldman Sachs, we can all do this. I I need to do that. That's what I want to do. I want like a fake media empire. Yeah. Um, but but real, also real. Like the I, I think the real part would be fun too. Um, that's very good. I had no idea what Ozzy was, and I had to look at it. Like everyone's like, "Oh my God, Ozzy's going on here!" Like who? Right. <laughs> and someone's going to but jail in Carlos, eventually. In Carlos maybe. Watson's mind, it was the the biggest thing in history. He was claiming that he broke AOC. Uh, least, that he broke the story of that he. What do you mean? They, of AOC that they, as a person. As yes, a... <laughs> that they that they reported on AOC before anybody else. I love that that mm. was their claim. Their whole thing was the new and the next, and they claimed they had broke all of these. Amanda Gorman, AOC, blah blah blah. They had not. Like somebody did a study of it. And it's like, yeah, you wrote a four hundred word aggregating piece like three weeks after everybody else had written Dude, it, but and you're claiming in your uh, promotional materials that you broke these people. I love that. I mean, yeah, every single industry has its own grift, and I I think it also just takes the pressure off of Quibi. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They've been the brunt for months wow. now. Now we move on. Um, very good uh, habituatings. We got to hurry up uh, very quickly. Okay, so we're going to talk about the infrastructure bill, obviously, mm -hmm. and one of the people holding it up who is now uh, in back in her home state, basically raising money with a bunch of... Uh, she had know. a doctor's appointment, Francesca. Mm -hmm. Yeah, her foot <laughs> couldn't do foot things. And uh, so Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, Senator Kirsten Cinema, or... As I saw her referred to, and I felt like this was so right on, even albeit a little sexist, like manic pixie dream girl boss mm. is the most accurate description of Kirsten Cinema's like <laughs> contrarian, quirky, fucking one percent lifestyle. Like that is exactly what she is, right? And 
she's she's like if Carrie from the movie Carrie weren't cool. Like I don't know. Like, but she wants to be cool, you know. I, so, and 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 mom bitching about the fact that not just that she exists and is in the world and is pro- stopping progress, but that there's all these fluff pieces in the media about Kirsten Cinema being mm-hmm. that sort of like you know you can't define her. You know she's amazing. So this is. This is from Axios, um, which talks about how it's a photo of her <laughs> on her bike. She's a triathlete. So it's Kirsten Cinema's allies have some free advice for anyone trying to bully the wine drinking triathlete oh into God. supporting Biden's $3.5 trillion bi- budget bill. She doesn't play by Washington's rules and she's prepared to walk away. <laughs> like, uh. cool. She's a maverick. She flies by the seat of her pants. She's completely unpredictable. Uh, she has yeah, like the really. she has the style of Miss Frizzle and the politics of Miss Trunchbull. <laughs> I don't know the second reference. Uh, it's the bad <laughs> the bad person from Matilda. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Um, it works better ooh, with deep the cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the wait this goes on. Hang on. Oops. To say Axios are saying. Um, She's unconventional and a force to be reckoned with. She's known to rise between 4 and 5 a.m. to train for her next race, and she was forced to take up aqua jogging after breaking her foot this summer. Oh, no. Um, And you made light of it. And yet. She has to do aqua (laughs) jogging. Millions of people are being kicked off their unemployment, but cinema has to do aqua jogging. Uh, Between the lines, this is just the most ridiculous article that's ever been written. Progressives could be forgiven for presuming that cinema 45, the first openly bisexual member of Congress, who's easy to spot in her trademark sleeveless dresses, rye wigs and acrylic glasses, would share their woke politics. Can, can I can I just apologize for my generation, please? Because I am of Generation X, and and she is the most Generation yes, X yes, that yes. you can possibly be. So and, Gen X, and I I it's it's not my fault entirely, and yet I I shoulder some of the blame. Why? Okay, explain why you think she's Gen X. Because I agree with that, but I'm like I feel like it's the last people who believe capitalism is like great and fine. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think she's just uh, she has embraced the sort of alternative kind of spirit and ethos of Gen mm-hmm. X without embracing any of the politics uh, that you seemingly would go along with that. Right. Um, so she's sort of a radical centrist. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I, she's I have fun, a, I have a but she does water jogging. Come right. on. And the thing that was up there, by the way, about the the winery internship, Mm -hmm. she took this while a sitting senator. She she took this internship at a winery in Sonoma Mm -hmm. for three weeks. And that's supposed to be like, oh, she's so quirky. The winery is co-owned by the co-founder of a private equity firm. Of course. And she held a five thousand a plate uh, fundraiser while she was there. She wasn't really an intern so much as a fundraiser in waiting at the at the winery. So it it plays into her image uh while also just being just a corporate sellout. Yeah. And and the la- there's another piece by Maureen Dowd. I don't I, I don't can't. I can't even put it on screen because I actually don't have it even though I definitely I, did it I'm one glad point you did earlier in the day. Screen. But it's very upsetting and it calls her like Maureen, a.k.a. the woman who sold us the Iraq war, uh, works at the New York Times, right? Uh, editor, right? Or, or she's a, she's anyway, she's now. is she? Okay. Point is, she's still around in the New York Times sphere. And she wrote this whole piece about how 
cinema. It, her name is aptly cinema because she, it's like she's in her own silent film. <laughs> and she and she doesn't walk through the aisles of Congress. She just sort of traipses like it's a catwalk or something like this. And it was a little critical, but also like not and a little and almost in awe of this person. Mm. She flaunts the Senate rules that say you can't wear sleeveless dresses in Congress. <laughs> like... <laughs> My God, Madon. Um, anyway, so I'm bitching about like, why are we treating her like this? And I also say, I think it is, it is sexist to do these fluff pieces. If this were a man, if she were a man, I do not think there would be pieces about her, her athletics, like what she does in her spare mm -hmm. time, you know, any, what she wears, anything like that. It would be about how she feels about the issues. We don't know anything about Manchin's fucking personal life. Yeah. Thank God. I know he lives on a boat, but I don't know, like where he jogs and what manner of water he uses. You might think from his jog. fun glasses that he's a progressive <laughs> like us, but that middle part doesn't mean that he's part of the zoomer generation. Although you might think that. he wears corduroy shorts to Congress. Oh, mansion. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll get into the actual specifics uh, beyond obviously what people are saying about cinema and what she looks like and wears and does. But um, we got to do this. Let's talk about the week. We got some good stories. Uh, this was the week where R. Kelly was convicted of sex trafficking. Not sure what finally convinced the jury. The testimony of dozens of victims or his forthcoming hit single, Yes, I'm a Pedo Sex Trafficker, Where to Party At? <laughs> um, Jamie Spears has finally been freed of the conservatorship over his daughter, Britney Spears, allowing him to at last live as the deadbeat dad he always dreamed of. <laughs> and in land back news, the Daintree Force of Australia just point. One, two percent of the country was returned to Aboriginal ownership, which leaves just ninety nine point eight eight percent left to decolonize. Making progress. Um, singer Shakira claims a pack of wild boars tried to steal her designer purse. What kind of purse? A Louis Bacon. I'm sorry. One la one guy. This guy. <laughs> just as Brett Kavanaugh came down with coronavirus and we all know how he'll be taking his ivermectin upside down from a keg <laughs> and Alex Jones was found liable in multiple defamation lawsuits over his Sandy Hook conspiracy theories which sucks because in order to pay damages he's going to need to think up like at least three new conspiracy theories for everything else this is the week where this was the week where COVID deaths hit 700,000 in the United States, uh, more than the number of Americans killed during World War II, more than were killed in the Civil War, more than the Spanish flu killed in 1918, but not more than the number killed by heart disease. Hell yeah, trans fats, undefeated. Um, <laughs> this week also confirmed, this is grim. No, what we all imagined was probably true, but like now we know it's true. COVID and the Delta variant specifically are disproportionately killing conservatives and driving some to call the pandemic red COVID, right? So uh, here is, this is from the New York Times saying, since Delta began circulating widely in the U.S., COVID has exacted a horrific death toll on red America in counties where Donald Trump received at least 70% of the vote. The virus has killed about 47 out of every 100,000 people since the end of June. Uh, according to Charles Gabba, a healthcare analyst, in counties where Trump won by less than 32% of the vote, the number is about 10 out mm -hmm. of 100,000. So visually, this is the graph. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the Biden, the Biden counties are pretty low down there. And there's a bunch of other sort of clusters of graphs where you can mm -hmm. kind of see like all the red is up here, all the counties that voted. And, and so like, it's like dividing communities directly. Um, Trump counties are obviously far less likely to be vaccinated, even though Trump himself is vaccinated once again, even though his base hates that. So uh, a Pew Research poll last month found that 86 percent of Democratic voters had received at least one shot compared with 60 percent of Republican voters, which I'm already like, oh, OK, 60. OK, not fast <laughs> enough, but like more than I imagined. Mm. Um the political divide over vaccinations is so large that almost every reliably blue state now has a higher vaccination rate than almost every reliably red state. Um, David, what's the strategy here from like a political perspective? Like, why do you want your base to die? <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, I, I think one element of the strategy, at least originally, was if we don't get the pandemic under control, then that's going to reflect on the person in the White House. Um, blue state residents, are, because they are disproportionately worried about right. COVID, as we've seen, even when they're vaccinated, they tend to uh, cocoon when there are outbreaks. Mm -hmm. And that has an effect on the economy and, right. and on spending, consumer spending. And so uh, you will get a, a, you know, a stunting of the growth of the economy if you manage to uh, have, uh, you know, this continued outbreak. And so it's it's not really killing the dudes in your base necessarily just so, you know, uh, Biden can look bad. But I mean, that's kind of where we're headed. I right. mean, uh, there is no question that it was not Afghanistan that was that brought down Biden's poll numbers in July and August. It was the Delta variant. Yeah. I mean, it, you can you can track that pretty clearly. And uh, so as as strange as the strategy is, you you could you could talk yourself into an argument that it's actually worked. Mm. And so where does that leave you? I don't because know. the blame's falling on Biden. Because the blame is falling. We literally just threw death at Biden and he took it. <laughs> it's so nuts. It's I also I keep wondering how many people would still be alive if they had called it like the Trump vaccine. Because remember he wanted right. credit for it. He wanted it and because he knew it was good and it was effective. And then and then the companies were like, no, we're not calling it that. No one's calling it that. And then he flipped on it and didn't get credit for it. And now they're just shooting themselves in the head trying to not take it or yeah, he, trump trump lara i'm like now that we're on covid vaccine names instead of pfizer yeah trump <laughs> trump lara <laughs> tying shoes <laughs> you know after taking trump lara <laughs> i felt better than i felt in years energy uh <laughs> and my husband's remarked the same <laughs> anyway sorry i don't know i'm imagining what it would be like <laughs> Here's my thing about the MAGA mentality. Look, you can't pretend to be concerned about the decline of the so-called white race while staying committed to killing it. All right. You can't say things like immigrants are taking our jobs when immigrants are literally helping you survive in hospitals and saving your lives so you can get back out there and tell them to go back to where they came from. Right. Like, I feel like if you got COVID at this point and you're a MAGA like diehard, you're out of the xenophobia game. Like, you got to be out. This has got to be that moment. Pick a lane, guys. Right. But it's it's upsetting. I mean, I I don't have like I had a run in with a hair stylist this week in L.A., which is like 
the exact person that doesn't get vaccinated in this in <laughs> this fucking county. <laughs> And I was just like, it's just so disappointing. But I don't have very many anti-vax like relatives in red states. And it's hitting. It's not fair. It's It sucks. Like, it's awful. It's hitting the South real bad. Um, and, and I, you know, as much as like, I want to make fun of it, especially the like AM, you know, uh, anyone who propagandized around, you know, vaccine um, like conspiracy theories, like fuck them to forever. I really don't care. But people shouldn't, you know, have to be who've been propagandized too. I, I think that's awful. But there's a question of why, like, right. Like, and I was reading this article interview um, with Rebecca onion in this, in slate magazine, talking to this political scientist, uh, Angie Maxwell, who wrote this idea that like wrote a book about the idea that there's a Southern inferiority complex among the white South of feeling like we're being criticized. Now we're just going to lean into that criticism. Like, yeah, we are the worst, you know what I mean? Or something like that. And she kind of goes in, it's like a really interesting interview, but then she ends it with basically like, I don't know if that's exactly what's going on when it comes to getting vaccinated or not. Instead, she's like, the only thing that's going to work is mandates. She says, I don't usually like government mandates and I think they should be rare, but I feel like a mandate in this case is a way for people to save themselves. A lot of these people are marks of a con and a mandate, as much as they may hate you for it, could very well save their life and save the lives of others. In the South, there are some things the government has had to force to make happen. There's a backlash to that, a resentment, which is why I say that mandates should be rare. But on something like this, where it affects other people, mandates are the way. Yeah, I mean, I I think that there is a sense that conservatives kind of wanted Biden and the Democrats and and various states and localities to put forward a mandate right? because it plays into their sort of victimhood strategy of you're forcing this, these things that we don't want, you're forcing down our throats. Now, mandates are very successful on vaccines. I mean, we saw this, there there are a lot of uh, stories in the last week or so, like, 300 people at United Airlines were fired because of right, vaccine right. mandate. United Airlines has like 100,000 uh, <laughs> personnel. So, mm-hmm. you know, 300 is a very, very small portion that, yeah. that, that isn't accepting, you know, however grudgingly accepting a mandate. So van- mandates are successful, but they allow conservatives to write a narrative that says Biden is forcing something, forcing you to do something to your body that you shouldn't uh, that, that you don't have to do. You you can't make your own choices. And it plays into sort of their larger narrative yeah. uh, about the nanny state, about, uh, you know, big government and, right. and so on. So mm. uh, there is a nanny there is, state literally trying to keep you alive. Right. right People point, should have the personal choice to drive drunk. <laughs> I mean that that's where the libertarian mindset leads you to. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's not that very far famous... down the mindset. It's like two no. stepping stones there. there imagine... There's a famous uh a YouTube uh, uh 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 video of the libertarian presidential uh, <laughs> yeah. debate. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Where I it's like should there be seatbelts in cars? <laughs> and they're like, hell no. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Gary Johnson actually ends up getting the libertarian uh nomination. He goes, seatbelts in cars? I I don't know. I think we should have that. And they're, he's totally booed. <laughs> what <Very> is <laughs> Aleppo? Oh, Gary Johnson. Meanwhile, but Republicans no, exactly. would be like, you know what? It's taking jobs from these body scrapers. These guys who scrape bodies off the road, they're hardworking. <laughs> so true Um, and and exactly like like seatbelts if it weren't a law 
you bet your ass that broadly, not beyond the Libertarian Party, it would be a talking point among most of the right wing if it weren't a law. So it's like, so would drunk driving. It'd be any sort of semi-culture war terrain they can fight on, they're going to take it. So it's like, well, then lay down a fucking law, lay down a mandate, and people will begrudgingly follow it. And then you have the, the most crazies, the libertarians, are like, you know, no, that that shouldn't be. But I, I yeah, I totally agree with you. And and even in California, like healthcare workers were only like 70 to 80 percent vaccinated. And then once, you know, Kaiser, et cetera, and other folks like institute right. instituted a mandate, we went up to like 97 percent vaccinated. So mm. they do work and you can always blame the government. Yeah, blame the government, dude. <laughs> At least you're keeping people safe. You know it, it, what you're saying? It always makes me think about how hard it would be to do just like basic societal things nowadays. Like just imagine trying to pitch the idea of libraries nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like if that hadn't <laughs> existed for already 500 years, you like people would be like, you are out of your mind. What you're taking money from bookstores. <laughs> Books? you just, people are going to, what are you doing with them? Talking about, or even seatbelts or anything. It's just, there's no <laughs> common sense and like to push yeah. through for anything we grand we grandfathered some of these things yeah. in before the culture war it just got snuck going. in barely totally but if you talk about taking away medicare whoo, social security whoo, <laughs> they're popular <laughs> libraries not popular if there was some way to make no, libraries more how are they not popular i mean they i guess Among so the people who use them I like you look if someone has an academic.edu library access I, I would love that. I'm just putting it out there. I really would. Like if you got a JSTOR account, a LexisNexis, holler at your girl. Mm. Other than that, I don't really know like it's mostly a place for like open mics and feeding ducks. I mean, that's that was my library, you know. I love it's open like, mics and feeding ducks, so well, not everyone has this tricked out setup here, <laughs> yeah. and, and people uh, who don't have internet access can go to a library and get that. For get sure. Support your local librarians. I have a good friend who, who works in the SF Public Library, which is an amazing library. Um, anywho, let's move on to our second story for the week. This was the week where, as people marched for abortion rights across the country, others heralded their demise, like Attorney General of Mississippi Lynn Fitch who went on a Catholic TV show to discuss the upcoming Supreme Court case over that state's 15-week abortion ban. And she was explaining how excited she was for this and how Roe v. Wade is actually not necessary anymore because women nowadays are, like, free and whatever. And, I mean, what would we attribute that to? Here she is. The lives that will be touched, Mm. the babies that will be saved, the mothers who get a chance to really redirect their lives. And they have all these new and different opportunities that they didn't have Mm -hmm. 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. 50 years ago, Mm -hmm. for professional women, they wanted you to make a choice. Now you don't have to. Now you have the opportunity to be whatever you want to be. Mm -hmm. You you have the option in life to really achieve your dreams, your goals, and you can have those beautiful children as well. Yeah. Absolutely. We love them both. We love both the mothers and the babies. <laughs> that was the attorney general of Mississippi. A woman who probably Looked like an owes, astronaut's wife, <laughs> but yet owes her ability to even sit in that role, likely 
to Roe v. Wade itself. Like, I love conservatives in their logic of how they they love to just, like, climb up the ladder of success and then fucking pull it out from underneath them, mm-hmm. right? After they've ascended it, then they turn around and are like, what are ladders? Okay, ladders <laughs> are fake news. I jumped this high, all right? But listen to her argument, okay? It is the idea, this reactionary Talbot's catalog yacht mom. Like <laughs> she she's the idea. Oh yeah, women are free now. Why the fuck do you think women are free freer now? What do you think happened in the last 50 years? Why do they have more job opportunities? Why do they have more independence? Why do they have more autonomy? More rights? It's because they're not forced to bear children when they don't want to bear children. This is like saying, you know, children should really work in coal mines now because they've got so much free time. <laughs> and just strong, capable lungs. They're so clean. <laughs> anyway, I, I love this random story. I feel like at this point, America is just like, I feel like it's a race between us becoming either Mad Max Fury Road or The Handmaid's Tale. And I felt like we were kind of Mad Max for a, a few weeks. And now I'm like, Handmaid's okay, Tale Handmaid's coming Tale. Up on the back. And then coming I'm like, why not both? It seems like we're going to get both pretty soon. Which is the worst part of it. Because, like, in Mad Max, you can have, you're like, man, at least, like, there'll be, like, crazy orgies or something. Like, people will be fucking, <laughs> yeah. you know. But no, not with Patrick. I the mean, there's Patrick The most Puritan version of Mad Max. Yeah. It, what, what drives yeah, me worst. so nuts, too, is, like, we're just. Just racing donkeys and, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like we're we're facing like an existential crisis with like climate change and everything that's horrible about to hit us, and we're like struggling to keep up like the status quo. Like we're not even trying to make life better; we're just trying to like not dredge up shit that we already fixed forty eight years ago. So I just don't yeah. like. It's just so mind boggling that it and and you know she says she wants to empower women. Is is there anything more empowering than being stripped of your power? I think it's pretty important. Well, and also there's the dissonance of, and this is also true in that Texas law, which is this sort of vigilante law where right. private citizens can sue people who they think might have an abortion. It's like a minority report kind of thing. But um, the, the the dissonance of we love all women, we want women to be successful. We also want to, I mean, if you logically take it to where they want to go, we also want to criminalize them for yeah. the decision that they make with their own doctor. Yes. So do you love them or do you want to like, aren't they the ones committing the crime? That, that That's always been a problem for me. Yeah. You know, it's tough love. <laughs> Lock them up and it's tough love. No, I mean, and that's the thing of like two things. One, if we lived in a world where, uh, you know, we could even survive on a single income where a family could survive mm-hmm. on a single income, like then I'll be listening to your fucking nuclear family. Women have to be back in the, you know, kitchen bullshit, you know, and like have as many babies as possible. Like, really? Who's going to pay the bills? You need two incomes, even fucking support a family now. Secondly, if any of these conservatives were for, you know, universal pre-K, paid family leave, any of the things that help people have families, you know, extended, extending the child tax credits we're going to talk about. It's like, then come talk to me about all that other bullshit. I still disagree with you. But you're completely non-consistent on whether you care for families or women. Currently, what else the attorney general is doing? I looked this up. She's trying to overturn a ruling that was requiring Mississippi to improve its mental health care system. Like, that's why she's like, (laughs) so you get to come into this world and then you get absolutely no help at all. Life begins at conception and ends at at birth. 
Mm-hmm. And and for those who want those are some good nine death, months there though. You get yeah. a f- tube oh. just like like imagine just a tube right to your stomach. You don't even have to chew or eat. Just by the pool. That's like it's incredible. Just a hydro it's an jog. entitlement mentality <laughs> that's really what it brings into you. You just get a hydro yeah. jog for nine months. It's amazing. <laughs> a hand up, not a hand out. All right. Aqua jog. Aqua jog. <laughs> it is literal aqua jog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. Um, we got to move on to our main sitch, but let me go to some of your comments. Thank you so much for commenting, for being here, for you know uh, saying what's up here on a Sunday. I hope all your teams won and whatever bullshit sport you watch. <laughs> Just kidding. Aww. I love sports ball. Um, I will say I've been uh, reading the comments throughout this whole thing, and you guys are hilarious. This is so good. <laughs> I feel like we should just be reading the comments out loud one by one instead of having a conversation. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's read some. Let's compromise and read some. <laughs> uh, on what are you bitching about? Silly Billy one on Twitch says, we're bitching about things. I don't like how articles are so ad-blocked now. How is news not free? No paywall at prospect.org. Just want to tell you that. Ooh. Do you have one of those things that's like, this is not a paywall, it's a pop-up? Yeah, we do. If you're a good person. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, you have one We of actually kind of do, but those you can click that off me. very easily. Yeah, yeah. Those definitely work on me. I am very, we, I'm We're like, trying to get you to sign up. For mm. You got to support the media you like. I mean, yes. Rear supported news. Yes, I agree. If it's NBC.com, F that. But if it's the American Prospect, uh, if it is uh, in these times, if it's, you know, mags that we like. Mm-hmm. Support them. Even a little bit goes a long way. Maybe in like an annual thing. I totally you you have to pay for this shit. Otherwise, we're it's all it's all bad. Um, and maybe throw a dollar to NBC. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah. 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 Throw it in their fountain outside of uh, yeah, you know 30 in Thirty Rock. Um, on COVID deaths, Reiki Dragon on YouTube. They should have called it MAGA Freedom Eagle Apple Pie Vax. Ooh, <laughs> got a good ring. Uh, Richard Irvin Smith on YouTube, Red Red COVID is right. They're a death cult. Yeah. Red COVID, Red COVID. Sen. Oh, that's uh. so sad. Um, uh, on the Attorney General Lithographer 1966 on Twitch, I'm a 55-year-old man. I have no children because no woman has decided to have children with me. What should I do now? Could that Mississippi woman offer some suggestions? Oh, that's good. See, if she was like a Yenta, if she was matchmaking, yeah. maybe that would work. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, lithographer, uh, in the coming, um, you know, handmade taleification of our country, you will be matched with a woman who's I, been I think impregnated. The term is requisitioned. Yeah, you yeah, requisitioned a woman. <laughs> you requisitioned a woman. <laughs> who will be bearing all of your children and other people's children. Uh, so you have a lot to look forward to anyway, but uh, I don't know. Okay. Cupid bro. You know, also have to get to pay for, uh, pay for that too. Um, but thank you for the chats. I appreciate it. Thanks for everyone for <laughs> being here. Uh, once again, if you are not a patron, you can totally tip the show TBR dash live on Venmo TBR live on cash app. I get it. You don't know how Patreon works. That's totally fine. You don't want access to the bonus material. I get it. Venmo and and Cash App, we are there. Um, But let's get into it. Another week has passed. There's no deal on the $1 trillion infrastructure bill or the $3.5 trillion uh, Build Back Better Act. There are holdouts from centrist Democrats and also holdouts from progressive Democrats trying to hold the line. Mm. Uh, This is the sitch. (laughs) 
Okay, so David, this is why we had you on the show. Yeah. Also, I'm crushing it, honestly, on every other topic, but specifically your work in writing on this. Um, Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker, tried to bring a vote on the infrastructure bill to the House floor, or she was thinking about it this week, Mm -hmm. did not, Mm -hmm. because she realized she didn't have the votes to to get it done, uh, as a lot of centrist Democrats in the House wanted her to. Um, For context, for those of y'all who don't remember, and maybe David can explain this better than me, this was always an in-tandem vote. So it's like $3.5 trillion, uh, excuse me, $1 trillion for infrastructure. There's not, there's... Less than that, right? Yeah. Because there's the new spending it's is five hundred and fifty billion in new spending over that years, it. and the rest of it. That is actually it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, I sometimes in, in government terms, <laughs> it's, it's it is. a very small percentage of the federal budget, <laughs> and uh, uh, and and existing spending is something called the surface transportation bill, which is routine highway spending that goes out every year. Anyway, you pay for it through the gas tax. And uh, that was attached to this so that they could make it sound bigger. So they could make it sound So like something they already usually pass. Yeah, it's something we do routinely every year and have done for mm-hmm. decades. So the idea was progressives in the House were saying, look, we'll pass the infrastructure bill, but not until we pass this reconciliation bill that has $3.5 trillion. We're talking money for uh, home care and home care workers, uh, free uh, community college, a climate core, all the things, uh, extended ch- child tax credits, um, all the things, like a huge transformative budget. And they're basically leveraging their vote on the infrastructure bill and saying, all right, well, let's make sure these go together because we've been burned before. We know what happens when we sign off on one piecemeal thing. Right. You fuck us in the end and we never vote on the bigger thing. So that seemed to have been working. And then this week, it seems like Nancy Pelosi broke with that agreement, yeah. but still didn't bring this vote to the floor. And now progressives are like, hell yeah, we, we flexed a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What's that's going right. on? What is going on now? What do you, what is your assessment well, of what things. progressives I mean, are doing? I mean, the whole reason that these two things were linked together is sort of a lack of general trust among the factions of the party and a lack of trust in the institution itself. It's almost like that scene in Reservoir Dogs where everyone has a gun pointed at everyone else. Yeah. Like that's what's going on in Congress <laughs> right now. The moderates don't trust the progressives. The progressives don't trust the moderates. They're not moderates, but anyway, you get my point. Um, and so the centrists wanted the infrastructure bill to pass because it was done in a bipartisan way and they could tout it at home and it's it, you get to do ribbon cutting and, and right. it's it's and you can say i you I know was, cut i was a problem with the big, and with i was the a problem scissors. solver i did this with republicans <laughs> right. but mostly the big scissors mostly the big scissors. mostly the scissors the progressives wanted uh the larger build back better act because it's really the entire democratic platform and it's and it includes a lot of things that progressive members have been working on for 20 years, 30 years, uh, a really, really long time to get things like the child tax credit expansion, to get things like paid leave, which we're the only country other than Papua New Guinea that doesn't have a paid leave program, (laughs) a paid family and medical leave in the United States. Um, and, uh, and, And so many others. Actually, kind of the weakness of its bill is also its strength because it's so comprehensive, you can't even explain it. Also, literally, and so it makes our, it very hard to, to describe. Our literal last chance to avert global climate apocalypse. Yes, I mean, it's, it's like, the, it would be the most, uh, it would be the most intensive climate bill that Congress has ever passed. Uh, yeah. it, it would have, have the most impact. So, yes, many, many months ago, both Joe Biden, uh, Nancy Pelosi, and 
Chuck Schumer put together this two-track strategy. And they said, okay, we will do the bipartisan bill through the regular order of the Senate, where you, you, we can get 60 votes for that, we feel. And we will do that bill that way. Mm -hmm. And then we will do this $3.5 trillion Build Back Better Act through the budget reconciliation process. And, and it's not important to explain what that is. All you have to know is that it only needs 50 votes in the Senate. Right. It and circumvents the filibuster. It, it, it gets around don't need to know. the filibuster, which is a ridiculous <laughs> thing where we should also go majority away. for any which legislation that definitely should go away. But we have it. And because of the Mansion Cinematic Universe, we have it. And so uh, uh, this is a way to do that. And the idea was that the Senate would pass both of those bills first mm -hmm. because House progressives, as you said, did not trust that uh, that that they could pass one bill and then and then the uh, moderates and sent the mansions and the cinemas would sign off on the other portion of it. Even getting to that point feels like a pretty big win for progressives. It was. And uh, and, and this was the road everyone was going down. Right. Until. Uh, a group of House uh, Democrats led by Josh Gottheimer, who is a uh, member from from North Jersey, who uh, put together a gang of, I think, nine members. And uh, what they actually did was force the vote is what they did. <laughs> they said, we want a vote on the infrastructure bill on a date certain. Right. And they said this as a as a consequence of moving to the reconciliation bill. So they had their leverage and they said, we want this vote on September 27th. And because there was no other way to advance the budget resolution, which is the prelude to the reconciliation bill, uh, Nancy Pelosi said, OK. And so we had this deadline that was staring us in the face, September 27th, September 27th. And we started working with The Intercept and The Daily Poster on feeling out progressives. Mm. OK, September 27th is coming. It doesn't look like the Build Back Better Act is going to be done by September mm -hmm. 27th. So are you willing to vote no yeah. on the infrastructure bill if that Build Back Better Act isn't done and passed through the Senate? And we got more and more members saying, yes, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to vote no. Now, the backstory here is that the Congressional Progressive Caucus has historically been a fairly ineffectual body. Yeah, uh, it's been around since 1991, started by Bernie Sanders uh, when he was in the House. Uh, but that was at a time when there were very few members, like six, I think, originally. There are now 96 members wow. of the Progressive Caucus. And uh, for many, many years, it just wasn't very organized. Progressive Caucus, it was kind of like a resume builder. You would just put that on your on your list. Yes, I'm a member of the Progressive Caucus. Well, what does that mean? Nothing. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't have to vote for anything. You in don't a even pay way. dues. I don't have to pay dues. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. Um, for a while, they had co-chairs and that didn't make it twice as organized. It made it half as organized. kind of. <laughs> um, uh, so really, this started to turn around when Pramila Jayapal entered Congress. Mm. And in she she entered Congress in 2016. After 2018, she became co-chair of the Progressive Caucus. And in this session of Congress, she is now the sole chair. And she came to it with more of an organizer mindset that, you know, we have a, a large block, almost half of the entire Democratic caucus in the House. Yeah. And we need to use our power. We, we we need to actually wield power here. And and if there's something that's going in a direction we don't like, 
we're going to speak up and we're going to uh, say, look, we're not going to go ahead and move forward with this. Mm -hmm. And they tried this on the, in a few instances in 2019 and 2020. But of course, the Senate was in control of Mitch McConnell. Right. And so there wasn't really anything that that finished to come out right. of that. But this time around, they were able to say, look, we are not voting for this bill. And we had a whip count of up to, I believe at the end was 29 or 30 members mm -hmm. who said, we're not going to do this. And Nancy Pelosi only has a, a margin of three votes oh, wow. in the House. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very thin margin. Mm -hmm. And there weren't enough Republicans to offset that who would vote for this bipartisan bill, even though it was supposed to be bipartisan. So as the date kept coming closer and closer, first Pelosi delayed it from the 27th to the 30th. And then she delayed it another day and said, oh, it's the same legislative day, like she was bending time uh, and saying October 1st is actually still no, uh, September 30th. Well, when the rooster crows <laughs> at the midnight, it means, I don't know, I feel like she's got some campy way of explaining that. the Baltimore. I think she got one of the Doctor Strange well, I rings. I can't actually. I think there's a little, my grandchildren. I'm sorry. There you go. I can't um, so anyway, uh, and, and then they finally ditched it. They, and, and Biden came down to the uh, Congress uh, on Friday and said, look, we're not going to get this done until we get a deal on the Build Back Better Act, essentially aligning himself with what progressives were saying, which Biden was the was deal the all along. Biden was the one to do this. Yes. And and this was the oh, deal okay. all along. He was just affirming his original deal, which was right. a two-track process. Right. You know, a lot of this is being pitched as progressives blocked the bill. Progressives actually adhered to the process and the deal that was made originally. Well, yeah. Why did that it group the, of it like was nine the or Gottheimer ten gang that blocked the bill? And this is the problem with forcing the vote when you don't have the votes. Mm. So they forced the vote, but they didn't have the votes. And so what they did, what happened was they got steamrolled. And now uh, everybody is in the room talking, uh, trying to negotiate terms to get to a bill. I don't know that it's going to be 3.5 trillion. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously we got to deal with mansion. We got to deal with cinema, but it's, it's not going to be zero. And that's the road we were headed down when uh, we were going to pass this bipartisan bill first and then have no guarantees on whether we were going to get a reconciliation bill at all. Right. So, so you're saying Biden actually did come down and say, no, we're not going to yes. skirt around the He's, agreement that we made to pass this, this two pronged legislation. Um, yeah. And it, Zach was just asking who who these nine people are. Are they yeah. like these guys are those people well, are like, I don't want to lower pharma costs. This is the interesting thing, because <laughs> you would think you would think that they would be nine members in the most swing districts mm -hmm. in America that need Republican votes to win their reelections. And so they have to sort of straddle both sides of the fence. That's not true. What was their uh, incentive? Is in These are corporate Democrats. These are corporate Democrats that take corporate money mm -hmm. and are working on behalf of corporate America to block the tax increases. Mm -hmm. in I don't know. I don't think someone would block. do that. Why? I don't think someone would take money like that. I know their hearts, and I feel like their hearts are just in the center, and that's like you know, with moderate hearts. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, that's what this is about. These are. This is not about kind of a the. The, the people in tough districts, the frontline members, you know, that includes people like Katie Porter, right. who is in a tough district in Orange County. And she's a uh, she's one of the leadership of the Progressive yeah. Caucus. And she said, look, frontline members need this bill because there are tangible benefits in Build Back Better for 
you know, these very swing districts, things like reducing the cost of childcare, right. reducing the cost of prescription drugs, uh, which Democrats have been running on for like 15 years, uh, reducing uh, 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 so housing upsetting. costs. So, so uh, there, it, this is not about frontline members. It's about corporate Democrats who are acting on behalf mm. of corporate America. Yeah. And that's I want to awesome. go to. I just oh, think that's so cool. America, bro. <laughs> And yet, but I mean, what you can say that is cool is that progressives held, they held the line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, right. they promoted, also Biden. promoted the great band Toto, hold the line. And uh, they, <laughs> they, they said, look, we're going to take a stand here and we're going to, we're going to honor the deal that was already struck. Right. And, and they did it. And it doesn't mean they're going to win every single thing that they want uh, moving forward, but they're in a much better position and they're taken seriously um, within the Democratic caucus and among the media. And that is different. I mm. mean, yeah, uh, kind well, of everyone assumes that progressives will fold at some point. Right. And mm. here was a moment where they didn't. And what they got in exchange for that is some respect. Hmm. And, Hell yeah. and, and, and it would have been so easy for Biden to go the other way, too. Like it w- would have just been simpler. Sure. So he I do think there's some there's some credit there to to, to for for him. And, you know, I mean, Pelosi, I think at some level, Pelosi did, you know, she set up this vote and everything, but she never she never actually whipped the vote. She never mm. tried to get progressives to change their mind, really. Uh, and I think she was almost presenting this to the holdouts to say, look, you, you, you're playing a losing hand. You yeah. don't have the votes. And so now we're going to have to compromise. But she can also okay, bend so- time. Yes, so yes, she actually did. She definitely by different can. rules than the rest of us. Yeah. Well, okay, I want to go to two. I want to go to the leader or one of the leaders of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, um, who, as David says, have really coalesced into a force that actually does stuff rather than sort of a symbolic, I'm a, I am part of the progressives. Like, no, no, no. And then we strategically wield our power uh, around different issues and, can- and, and legislation. So here's Pramila Jayapal explaining whether or not this, this is going to get done, the bill is going to get passed, and then what, her, um, what the final number could be. Let's get to yes so that both bills can get passed and on the president's desk for a signature. Absolutely. We absolutely will. I am totally confident of that. We're going to pass both bills. And I am just really proud of the Progressive Caucus this last week because we got the two bills back on track. The bipartisan infrastructure bill obviously was done. It was ready. But by saying we're not going to leave behind women and families who need child care and paid leave, we're not leaving behind the climate crisis and real action on that. We're not leaving behind housing that is desperately needed across the country. And we're not leaving behind immigrants. We actually were able to say, let's get them both done together. Eighty five percent of the president's agenda is in the Build Back Better Act. And five months ago, Jonathan, he came from the White House to the Capitol, laid the case out to us. And we can't wait to get both bills to his desk. So that's exactly what David was explaining about, you know, this was always the plan the entire time. And what I love is that, you know, for progressives who are constantly told like, oh, you're not Democrat enough. And, you know, Congressional Progressive Caucus started by an independent, started by Bernie Sanders, you know, 
the Pramila Jayapal, Representative Jayapal has been going on like talk show after talk show after talk show, so many spots and just being like, we're supporting our president. This yeah. is what the president wants. This is the president's agenda. And it's like so delicious, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it, a, it's, yeah. it's good framing. And, and, you yeah. know, a lot of this agenda came out of what they called the unity task force meetings between Biden and Sanders representatives uh, during the campaign. And they came up with this democratic platform. Mm -hmm. And largely what's in the Build Back Better Act is the Democratic platform. Mm. So there's a lot of Sanders in here. And that's why he has been probably among many the most uh, enthusiastic for the bill and also the most supportive of what the Progressive Caucus was doing. Right. Uh, during a caucus meeting, uh, we reported this and The Intercept reported this during a caucus meeting two days before uh, I believe it was last Tuesday. Uh, Sanders uh, relayed a message saying you need to hold the line here and you need to not vote for this bill or else we're not getting anything. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he, he laid it out pretty clearly. Yeah. Mm. And so uh, in many ways, the strategy is, 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 is very much taken up by Bernie as well. Mm. I remember seeing that first reported by Oxy media. <laughs> that's Ozzy. Oh, sorry. It's not Oxy Media is about acne. Yeah, oh, okay. it's, it's some great. I've always been about like ten percent but... off on my callbacks here. <laughs> Aqua jogging, Oxy. Me too, dude. They were first though. Let's see. They're, that's, they're new they're in the next. They're gonna rebrand so they as first. Oxy. It's gonna be the way yeah. Eric Prince like rebrands all his like private yes. security yeah. uh, mercenary companies. <laughs> we're the Black Doves. <laughs> um, okay, so. Obviously, there are two people in the way. Um, mm -hmm. We're talking about the House, really. We've been talking about the House now. And then there's the Senate. And we've right. got Manchin. And we've got Kristen Cinema, who we talked a little bit about. Cinema. Um, I just want to drop this. Um, she's, she's in Arizona this weekend raising more money, essentially, by corporations and people who want to tank this bill. Right. The reconciliation, you know, $3.5 trillion. She on earlier this week met in an undisclosed location in Capitol Hill, held a fundraiser with five business lobbying groups who agreed to write checks between $1,000 and $5,800 after spending 45 minutes with her. Um, it was hosted by groups including the National Association of Wholesale Distributors, as well as political action committees for the supermarket industry and mm. various construction interests that are trying to kill Biden's signature domestic agenda. What a fucking idiot. I'm sorry. Turn the fuck. What the fuck is. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so mad. It's so like, cartoonish. It's like it's like such yeah. a fucking it's it such a fuck you to everything and everyone and why she was voted in. And also her past self. If you look at her last 10 years of tweets, it's like the exact opposite of what she's oh, now. Quid, quid pro quo corruption. Yeah. Um, but I'm just mad at the I, I, you had another piece, David, didn't you, about uh, like sort of why it's so difficult to get like basic construction materials in this country because of China. And da -da. Yeah. so but just the idea that like as a construction, the construction industry would want to stymie a bill right. that will help American families be able to afford things like right. a home or a renovation right. or, you know, or local, you know, nationalized in a, in a non-xenophobic way, like a national industry of I mean, the bill, building. It's just insane to me. The bill literally has $80 billion to build more homes, right? <laughs> right? And so this is the construction <laughs> industry saying that. I mean, so, but here, here is what uh, is important here. Yeah. What Mansion and Cinema do want is the infrastructure bill. Right. And so now progressives have set up, you want this. Well, the price for you getting that bill is passing our priorities. Yeah. 
And so now we're in a negotiation. And, you know, Manchin has said my top line spending number is $1.5 trillion, which obviously is a lot less than yeah. $3.5 trillion. He finally trillion. named a number, though. But we he were did. waiting. But I mean, that was that's only that's the starting point of this negotiation. So it's important to have gotten that. Yeah. I think it'll come up from that. I don't think it'll come all the way up from that. Um, you know, unfortunately, you need 50 votes and we have exactly 50 Democratic senators. So they, mm. you need every single Democratic senator to agree to this bill in order for it to pass. And, you know, I mean, and it'll be 50-50. So you'll need you'll need Kamala Harris to actually give the, the deciding vote. So uh, everybody needs to sort of leap together. There is no way to do this piecemeal one at a time. It's yeah. like you have to just do both of these things and move together. And that'll be the focus of the next month is these behind the scenes negotiations on the bill. I've always likened it to that riddle where it's like you have a bag of feed, a you know, a chicken <laughs> and a fox on one side of the river. Right. Like, that is it. I mean, yeah, it's about getting this stuff over to the other side of the river. The and, bill and, is the bag of yeah. feed. The yeah. mansion is the boat, very fittingly. Yes. Yeah. It, it totally works. People kayaked up to him and asked for the feed. Speaking of which, I do want to show this little portion. So uh, Senator Joe Manchin was bombarded by just some uh, loud and disrespectful kayakers in West Virginia. And I don't know if you guys have ever. No, this is in Washington. Uh, is it? Yes, because he the deal is that he's a very rich guy and he lives in a huge mansion in Washington uh, mansion. Yeah. Mansion, fittingly mansion. in West Virginia. But when he's in Washington. He lives on a houseboat in the Potomac. That's that's when Congress is in session. He lives on this houseboat called Almost Heaven because of the John Denver song. I thought oh it was because God. he's preventing us from getting to heaven with this bill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's look at this a little bit. You know, West Virginia is a little bit different than usually. There's a lot of poverty. What are you going to do for the poor working, in West Virginia? We're going to be working everything we can to create good opportunities. And we need to tax the rich. Oh, I agree with that. I definitely agree. That's the one number thing we should be doing is fixing the tax code so everybody pays their So he's share. leaning off the back of his boat called Almost <laughs> Heaven, and he's got his sort of like, you know, tie on his like white shirt, and he, he's actually engaging these protesters in I mean, some have, discussion. I have to kind of give it to Manchin for engaging in that. I mean, right. he, he is he is doing a back and forth like cinema just would run away. But he, he did he say he wants to avoid an entitlement mentality while leaning over the edge of a yacht, shouting at well, kayakers, begging there for basic that. human like <laughs> there if, if one of them flipped and drowned. But the, he would not the send them the substantive policy <laughs> policy issue here is that Manchin and cinema want different things. So Manchin. He says there he wants everyone to pay their fair share. He wants to change the tax code. He does. Like right. he's put out in his little term sheet enough spending, uh, enough tax tax changes that would get you to his one point five trillion dollar number. What does it? Exclusively what he like on taxing the rich and corporations. He's just like he's just, just taxing them a little coal. less. Just let know? me keep coal. He <laughs> doesn't. He's obsessed with the deficit and doesn't and doesn't want any kind of. Uh, long-term spending and yes climate he is you know he this is literally a guy who in a campaign ad shot a bill that was the green new deal like he he literally did that classic democrat why, why, why are they you don't need to shoot something so, to show that you're against it but on the other side 
I know that's other- hard for some conservative-minded people to understand, but your campaign ad doesn't always have to be like, I'm literally shooting socialism, like, <laughs> you know, like Marjorie Taylor Greene's. Right. Like, come on. It was on a the, Prius, too. On, li- on the other side of this is cinema, who doesn't mind spending on climate, doesn't mind some of the other uh, spending measures in the bill, but doesn't want to do the taxes. Right. So I, I don't know if this coordinated or not, but you have mansion who would not mind the taxes but wants to cap the spending and cinema who would do more spending but doesn't want to do the taxes Mm. and so how do you square that circle how do you get both of them to agree with something and that would satisfy the other 48 senators and that would satisfy almost the entire caucus here's what you do you bully them on kayaks you go to their home in kayaks. <laughs> right. It's a kayak strategy. Yeah. Even start. cinema lives on land. You still got to just kind of scoot your way up in the kayak yep. and just yell at her. Follow window. her into a bathroom in Arizona. I saw today. that. There's video oh, of God. that. Oh, God. She definitely would never spare a square. That is for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, all right. Because she'll spare to... a square, but she just won't. Uh, she doesn't want to tax the trees to get the square. <laughs> <laughs> We got to move on to our final segment. Uh, this has been so fun, so enlightening. Thank you, David, for taking us through that. Sure. Uh, everyone's going to have to watch that back, um, take <laughs> take their notes. Uh, org. We got plenty of this stuff. Follow David, obviously, for everything. He's got uh, great articles and prospect.org as well. Um, but let's move into our final segment, our fun segment, Palette Cleanser. Mm-mm. <laughs> um, we're talking about this was there was a tweet circulating on the Twitter machine, which was which fictional character from a television show would be anti-vax? And I love that question. I think it's uh, very, very fun. So everyone in the chat and the two of you here now, this is a character anti-vactor. Backstory. It sort of works. Um, (laughs) All right. Which television character would be anti-vax? Want me to go first? All right. I will. Uh, obviously Kramer. Kramer <laughs> has no vaccinations whatsoever. He cheated his way out of every vaccine. He's got all the hepatite T's. Um, <laughs> hepatitis. <laughs> hepatitis. <laughs> he's got the, all the hepatitis. He he didn't like. When he gets COVID, he's gonna take ivermectin. Mm-hmm. He's gonna start like whinnying randomly and like be like. You know, but I've never felt cleaner, you know, but you know, like that's he's such an anti-vaxxer. Uh, also, I was looking at Sex in the City and I, I was thinking out of the four, who would be anti-vax? It's not going to be Samantha because she's got a bone. You know, she's sorry. Mm-hmm. She's got to be on. You know, she needs to be vaxxed and waxed and, you know, out on the town. <laughs> so you've literally never heard vaxxed and waxed. Vax. Oh, you mm-hmm. bless your soul. Bless I'm, your heart. I'm very sheltered. I'm very it's moistered. The only thing that rhymes with wa- a vax. Um, that is true. And tax. But it seems anyway, like there's so actually quite a lot of things that rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Axe. Oh fuck. Um, axe. But put that in a sentence. You know, it doesn't really axe? work. Vax. Vaxed and axed. Vaxed. Vaxed. If you just looked at the chat, though, of course you, I you did. cheated. Um, <laughs> so I, not Samantha, not Carrie. I think Carrie would come around. She'd be a little weirded out. Obviously not Miranda, but Charlotte. Charlotte, because she's always trying to get pregnant, and she, you know, the false idea that like getting a vaccine prevents you from getting pregnant, which is absolutely not true. There's like horrible records of pregnant women now getting COVID and dying and losing kids, miscarriages, blah. 
But Charlotte would be like, I don't know. I've done my own research. And, you know, she'd be very clearly neither of you watch Sex in the City. And <laughs> that's sexist <laughs> at this point in time. Um, all right. Uh, Zach, who do you think would be? I was thinking, do you guys watch Succession? Sure. Yes. I think Roman Roy would be a, a outspoken anti-vaxxer, but was one of the first people to get the vax. I think he was like a Tucker Carlson type. <laughs> Where they spend all day, right. all day long saying how bad it is, but they were in they were shoving people to get to the front of the line to get that vaccine. So true. He's I don't know. It's, he's the Macaulay Culkin. He's the Kieran Ma- Culkin. Yeah, he's yeah, Culkin. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, it would be the guy played by Alan Ruck. I think he would because he's running well, for president. He's an he anti vaxxer but he didn't get it. Formatively anti Wow, spoiler. Yeah. Wow. I think he's an anti vaxxer but he 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 uh, he didn't actually in get the, the vaccine. In the show last season. I didn't finish it cuz <laughs> Well, that's a spoiler for you. I hate everyone in that show. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I I'm fine with some characters being odious, but like no <laughs> redeeming qualities about anyone. I'm just I love like that. it's so oh, good. You like uh, it? I love that. Just like humans. Um I would say, I mean, the best, the best answer I saw online was uh, Cliff Clavin from Cheers. That Ooh, that was the yeah. best answer. I saw. Although I think low key Norm would also uh, mm. be an anti vaxxer But Cliff is the mailman. Oh yeah, yeah. who's Norm mm. then? He's the the big guy. Okay, yeah. Um, but I did just see the Sopranos movie this weekend, yes, and I think. Too. Uh, there, I think there are a lot of people in The Sopranos who would be potentially anti-vax. Mm. Silvio sticks out to me. Oh, but P- Polly more so than Silvio. You think oh so? yeah, Polly Walnuts is like, I don't need that vax stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know there would be a very long scene talking about mm. it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I think I got another that, one. I think a disappointing film. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think Ron Swanson got uh, is not. I think they didn't take Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson. I think they made their own at home. They say, oh, you Ron Swanson, I think Ron Swanson, I think yeah. he, I think he's cooking up his own batch. Yeah. 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 He's... And then Jonah Ryan. I mean, I think he actually oh, talked sure. about being for anti-vax sure. on Veep. So oh. I, think, I think that works. Oh, Jonah is a walking Petri dish. Yeah. Um, all right. The chat says Yogi bear, Elmer Fudd. Very strange, but okay. Yogi. Yeah, I don't, what's with the Yogi? cartoon characters? Yeah. Uh, Ron Swanson, yes. Uh, Tony Soprano, most likely, but I feel, yeah. I He's got to be the leader, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, Goofy, also another cartoon. Mm. Oh, yeah, Goofy is full of... He's got all the hepatitis as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you guys, that has been... Our amazing show. But before we go, you guys have to sit and hang out as I will read a bunch of comments and make a couple of announcements. Uh, and then we're going to go to our bonus discussion. There's a new Trump book. That's right. That makes like 802. And we're going to talk all about the revelations and one that I feel like people missed. So patreon.com slash bituation room uh, in the chat is the link to that special addendum episode go there click that two dollars a month five bucks a month ten bucks a month gives you a shout out uh fart song is coming up but not after i read (laughs) not before i read the zane the magic puffer dragon on youtube they have to pass legislation or they're going to lose big time in 2022 midterms (laughs) what do you think david if i don't get you here before midterms yeah is it going to flip is it is it like a given it's going to flip i feel like that's kind of i don't know if it's as much of a given as it was i 
I actually think the state of the pandemic and the state of the economy is is going to play a much bigger role, even than this legislation. So I do think some version of this legislation is going to pass. But um, I, I think I think where we're at with COVID, like if, if we're really in a place where we can actually sit next to each other and not be fearing for our lives quietly. Um, oh, I'm, I'm screaming inside, <laughs> inside, inside of the crowd. <laughs> yeah. um, then I, I, I think I think that's going to play out. Uh, People thought redistricting was going to be a big win for Republicans. It seems like what they're actually doing is protecting their own incumbents who were kind of threatened in swing seats uh, more than being aggressive and like uh, automatically taking and winning more seats. And so redistricting is probably going to be somewhat of a wash, but it's very tight. I mean, the the typical thing that you see in a midterm is that the the president's party loses seats, right. and so it's certainly very possible, mm. which you know creates the urgency to get this stuff done, not just for the political yes. reasons, but because of the policy reasons. Yes. Because the, we we actually need to address these challenges. One hundred percent. Thank you for that. Uh, Anti-social communists on Twitch. I think it's pretty amazing that the liberal media is taking the progressive side and calling out the conservative Dems for impeding Biden's agenda. That's true. It's well played by them mm-hmm. and good for the media for actually covering it rather than I mean, I feel like even a couple of weeks ago, they were a little bit trash, like having only cinema or only mansion cinema doesn't really do media mansion on again and again. And now they're like, all right, I'm done with you. And they're having Pramila on, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, best Gen X or on Gen X, uh, Michelle Konkin. Thank you so much for the. Super chat. <laughs> Hang on. Many Gen Xers are me or like me. Progressive. Say no to stereotypes. I, I am too, but I can recognize someone who's Gen X when I see one. Sometimes stereotypes are a little bit real. <laughs> Not all the time. Mostly <laughs> fucked up. They're but time, 5% they're real. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes they're shorthand. <laughs> all right. And for everybody who, uh, this is going to be a little quick, but we have to do the fart song. Thanking all of the new patrons Sadly, there was no new patron at 10 bucks or more. That's fine. You got a bunch of five buck ones. I love y'all. You guys have names. I'm just not going to say them. Um, But if you want that shout out, $10 a month to get all this weekly bonus content. Worth it. Thank you, Zach. There was one person, but girl, uh, check your card because it bounced Uh and it's declined. You Uh know who you are. Uh Um, No, I'm just kidding. Uh. I seriously appreciate it. Uh, uh, anyway, so it doesn't even. I've been sending you bad checks. Is that a problem? <laughs> Just let me know yeah. in the chat. Um. All right. This is the far song. And there it is. Shout out to Kevin McLeod, wherever Kevin he may McLeod. be. Thank you so much for this. Thank you to that one patron. I believe your name is Tina. Really appreciate you becoming a patron at 10 bucks or more. Uh, thank you to the big tippers on Cash Up and, you, and uh, Venmo. I'm so sorry, David. Michael A., Randy L., Joseph L. And thank you for the super chats, Omega, Shernan Dragon, Michelle Conklin, Mr. K, and our new Twitch subs during the show, Chester LB623, Little Mac McG, Silly Billy01, Willie Gus, Depressed Progressive, Verity NS, Coop DeJarna, Anti-Social Communist, and Marty C59. Thank y'all. Love you. You're the sexiest people on earth. Your farts smell like roses. Um... <laughs> And <laughs> this is a classy show, okay? It was. Uh, and finally, y'all, we have merch. Bituation 
Bituationroom.com. Uh, get your Fran Tifa merch. Get your Bituation Room shirts. Get your tote bags. 100% union made. Spared wow. no expense. Took me forever to find them. Very They're cool. great. Um, yeah. Uh, although there's nothing wrong at this point with the global capitalist intertwine of enterprise. Like at this point. But it's American made, not in a xenophobic way. It's union made. It's American made. <laughs> uh, not in a MAGA way. Uh, thank you so much, yo. We will be here next week, but it'll be a little different because it's a pre-record because I'm taking a vacation for a couple of weeks. But guess what? We have Representative Jamal Bowman in the Bituation Room. Super excited wow. to have him. Uh, also, comedian Sammy Obeyed. So next week and the next week will be a little pre-record, but don't worry. It'll be Sundays, 5, 8 Eastern. Thank you to all the producers, Becca Rufer, Maximilian Inhoff, Ellie Hoffman, Alexander Orness. And remember, y'all, Fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. See you in the post show. Bye. <laughs>